Hello, it's time to chat with me, Kamea, and me, Rose. On the show, we have courageous conversations that illuminate shared experiences related to food and gender. We are here to help folks digest their relationship to food. In today's episode, we continue the conversation about a woman's place. Where do women find their place in the professional kitchen? We're there. Live? Live, baby. All right. Here we go. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Fall is in the air. And on the ground. And on the ground. (laughs) It's everywhere you look. Pumpkin spice, everything. And I am into it. You're into the pumpkin spice? I am. I think I think pumpkin spice gets a little bit hated on when it's just sweet and comforting. It's not a big deal. It's good. I had a pumpkin spice latte earlier this week. I haven't had one yet. Ever? I mean, I've definitely had them. I just get made fun of like ruthlessly for it. But I just don't even care. I just say fuck off. This is my joy. This is my thing. This is my joy. Yeah. It's it's delicious and yeah. I highly recommend it. I would definitely say go a little light on the syrup though, because it's very sweet. Well yeah, and the older I get the more I'm like I can only handle things half sweet, but it's so Well, I still want to taste good. the coffee. Well just those warm soothing spices but they're warming they help with your circulation i think a lot of times we forget that the herbs and the spices that we associate with fall are for a reason Mm -hmm. um and there are traditions behind them but in a highly commercialized world we just have the like the pumpkin spice and it's like to an absurd degree like you can get pumpkin spice bath bombs and pumpkin Um, spice dog treats candles i went on a halloween excursion last weekend and there's candles that are pumpkin spice okay makes sense cool but, they, but they're just spice like it's just spice with like a the lot of smell sweetness. of pumpkin is kind of weird like it we is. don't want that as just a smell but this is obviously like a kitschy joke thing but i i, I almost bought it for you as a joke but then i was like i'm not even gonna do this to her because it's just buying garbage <laughs> I they also that. had candles one of them smelled pretty good. And I almost bought it. It was the the scent was called mashed potatoes and gravy. But after some contemplating, I decided to not get that. And then they had another one that was macaroni and cheese. And I was like, ha ha, and smelt it. It was exactly macaroni and cheese. Oh, wow. and I all like almost gagged. I it like per, just oofed in like the mask. I was like, ha, oh. <laughs> that is just oh, wow. Like sat out bowl of mac and cheese got a little funky it was weird bright orange i would expect no less yeah it was exactly the color so a little tidbit (laughs) for some candle shopping i did (laughs) oh man it is candle time though because it's just so dark all the time and we need the light it is so dark we need that light and that comfort and that connection to flame and intentions and makes me feel warm too like more physically warm started putting pumpkin in the dog food and she's pretty excited oh, i bet she is roxy she needs it for a little tummy she does anyway what wine are you drinking today Kamea? what wine am i drinking mm-hmm. well the same one that you're drinking oh <laughs> a little uh we went a little unconventional today and did some bubbly kava and so some good ginger juice and a splash of orange juice so it's like a ginger 
It's delicious. Mimosa. I know traditionally we do more like, let's get a nice bottle of red to share because it's kind of our excuse because it's our together It's time. our thing. It's, it's a girl's night. It's a girl's day. It's a whole day. But the ginger in this little mimosa, though, is delicious, I will say. Well, you know, Julia Child was a big lover of wine. That doesn't surprise me because of her French situation there, but tell me more about that. Well, but I mean, yeah, I think that's part of what blew her mind, at least some of the excerpts from reading My Life in France. It's just like, wait... You just, you share a bottle of wine and have these lovely cheeses at lunch. Like, this is amazing. Who doesn't want to do that? And that's amazing. But it's also, it was more about the pleasure and the flavor versus an alcohol culture that's more associated with just, like, getting hammered or, like, mm-hmm. drinking for the sake of drinking, which is, like, a whole other thing. But it was more... More of a coping mechanism. It's it's just, like, the pleasure of wine was a really big deal to her. Um, she was once quoted, I would happily die with a bottle of white burgundy in my mouth. I ever since I've read that quote, I I've never tried white burgundy, and I have got to try it now. Have you had like actual oh, burgundy yeah. wine? Like actual burgundy wine, but not white. I'm assuming it's like white wine, right? Um, or is it just? Or well, is it's it, am prob- I might be dumb right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say you're being dumb. I just think we don't know a lot about how wines made, and I my like elementary level of knowledge um is that you have like the name of it so like the burgundy would be the grape right and a white they would probably just make it without the skins that's my assumption so it's looking for sure like a white burgundy is is a white wine so like it is it looks delicious i mean i like a good red burgundy so i feel silly that i had to google that why I don't know. I feel like as a, a chef, I should know wines much more than I do. But I think that's also just a stereotype. Well, but it there's nuance in what you know, too. Like, there's mm-hmm. a whole process into the wine making. And the only reason I know what I know is because I have a friend that I used to farm with who works on a vineyard. And she gave me a tour of the facility and was like, oh, this is how this is done. This is how this is done. So fun. And I learned so much, but I also only retained so much. And mm-hmm. if she's listening, she's going to be laughing at me right now. Um, but yeah, there's a whole process to like the making of the wine, then the aging of the wine and how you do that versus like understanding like the different tasting notes and the regions and the i mean there's reasons why people have degrees like specifically in wine stuff i suppose because it is so vast but i mean it's like cheese and so many other things we could talk about but i don't know i think after i graduated culinary school and really got into like food and my palate started developing that's when i really got into wine because it's just it's pleasing in so many ways and I feel like now we have to go to France and we have to have a bottle of white burgundy and cheers Julia Child. I'm for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Buy some tickets. But what era was she in France during that time? I always forget. I mean, she went to France after World War II. So she went to culinary school when she graduated was 1951. And her cookbook didn't come out until 10 years after that. So I think in the like when we watch shows, we kind of think that it was a really quick succession that she was famous. Right. But I mean, she didn't go to culinary school with ambitions of being a chef 
she was stationed there because her husband got stationed at the u.s embassy in france as part of his position in the military oh damn and she (laughs) what a terrible life (laughs) she wasn't working and she was trying to cook these meals for her husband who was a foodie because of all of his travels and she she wasn't a a cook no she wasn't a cook she was a career woman up to that point so she also worked in the military but um her goal was to learn how to cook and she was just like fascinated by all the french cuisine and these wonderful places that her husband was taking her to but the goal was to be a better wife but also she was really interested in the art yeah of french cooking and the more she got into it and the more and when she went to france probably and experienced the stuff that he would talk about she was like oh oh this is what you're talking well why can't i do that as a good career woman that's like opinionated and boisterous but she's also very diligent and extremely organized and so this was something where she was like i can do that i can learn how to do this but i mean she didn't have an easy go even getting into culinary school at first it was just like oh yeah take this cooking class with all these other wives but then she was like that's not what i want to do this isn't what i want to do so then she went to like actual culinary school and she graduated in 1951 1951 a world away but and she was correct me i'm wrong she was the only woman in that school at that time right i couldn't find a lot of information on that the only like images i have is like watching julia and julia and she's like on this line of all men yeah and she had like administrators and there were people in the school that that were were female and um at least reading about it some of those females presented pretty strong barriers to her yeah and wouldn't schedule for her final exam because of political tensions and it was weird and uncomfortable to see this very tall Mm -hmm. american American woman woman just like taking up space in this professional kitchen she wasn't at home i mean her home kitchen became her practice kitchen totally but she was training to be a chef i mean i know when i was in culinary school there was like more than half were women to men which is people are always just that shocked is to pretty hear. surprising to me you've yeah. told me that once before and that's like really hard for me to mm-hmm. imagine yeah i think our graduating class smaller school we started with like 40 students the graduating class was like 14 and i think that we were all girls except for like three i think it was three guys in the graduating class i was reading this article when we were getting ready for this and this article was specific it was written in 2017 and they were saying in 2016 the renowned culinary school cia culinary institute of america uh it's definitely like top tier um they in 2016 had a enrollment of 51.6% of women which is crazy cuz it's like you going back to Julia Child she went to culinary school not necessarily to become a chef or had that desire but she wanted to become a more this useful housewife i don't know <laughs> like, but it's it's weird because when you look at that and then you look at the percent of women in actual industry today that are working it's not that at all and 
it's just wild. But, like, even the article talked about in the 80s, it was only 30% women. And then when we hit the, like, of 2000s. Women graduating culinary school? Enrollment. Oh, enrollment. Okay, yeah, so not so, necessarily graduating. Yeah, I didn't really – it didn't specify the graduation graduating class. But in 2000, it bumped up to 40%, which is – crazy because that wasn't even that long ago i feel like i wanted to be a chef in 2000 <laughs> like it wasn't even that long ago i mean it was 22 years ago oh god yeah so i mean i didn't look at any numbers for like today or in the last couple years but i'm sure it's roughly around then too that's what i hear a lot just through conversation in industry that culinary schools it's about 50 50 male and female um in the early 2000s from 2000 to 2016 it grew well what's interesting t- to me about that and just thinking about who was available to you on television and in media mm-hmm. about like what women in the kitchen look like and specifically an in industry of like oh a celebrity chef like we do think of i mean i think of julia child as a celebrity chef yeah i would agree with that yeah However, all of her materials was geared towards the home cook without servants. So. (laughs) (laughs) You say through your teeth. This is weird. But I mean, I think we forget that Julia Child came from a pretty privileged background. Mm -hmm. Her family did come from money. And yes, she had, um, as a young woman, had into World War II. That was a very big deal that really impacted her life. And her patriotism and why she enrolled in the military and that changed the trajectory of her life including launching her into what we know as like julia child a household name but she was a household name and her cookbook the art of french cooking which you gave to me at the start of quarantine has been so fun it's such a work of art like every recipe right yes you don't have volume two i've never seen volume two i have volume two i can let you borrow it okay I'm still working through volume one. It's a lot. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. Dense. It's a lot, but it's also very thoughtful, and every recipe in it works. Yes. They tested and tested and tested it and made sure it worked, made sure it made sense, took the time to really make sure the technical instructions made sense. And one of my favorite features of the actual layout of the recipes is how the ingredients lay alongside your recipe where you need them. Yep. So you're not like in modern recipe layouts. I've done a lot of recipe writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have things at the top and at the bottom and like there's a few rules like making sure that ingredients are listed in order of when you need them and these things but you're having to like go back and forth but in her book it's like you add the flour oh okay and you just like look to the left this is how much flour and it's just it's so it's built for utilitarian use it makes sense and not aesthetics and um, pictures and all that but the other really interesting thing is her show was completely geared towards home cooks like she was not cook i mean she was entertaining but she wasn't she wasn't a chef this was not like gordon ramsay running a kitchen this was a woman who's like this is how you use a whole chicken really useful information really useful information but not necessarily what i think of when i think of a chef but she was talked about as a chef, and mm-hmm. she came with that training too. Mm-hmm. I I grew up watching the Food Network, and I know you you did too. It's just like Martha Stewart was the very first person I saw on TV that like cooked and like taught you how to do things, and I just would, my mind would just explode. And then it was Rachel Ray, 
for me, which you 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 just plan all of this in 30 minutes. That's amazing because I would cook as a kid a lot for my family, but it would be like an all day thing. Everything is spread out, experiments, throw away. It was a whole thing. That's so cute. Oh, yeah. It was, and if my parents were outside doing like chores or gone, I would full on pretend I had a cooking show. And then, yeah, obviously like the wave of the Barefoot Contessa and Paula Dean and all of these. What's the what's the Italian woman that's really popular? What's her name again? Giardia? Giardia? Some, something along those lines. I didn't actually watch her. Um, I did find um, her name listed on a, an article about the top 20 richest celebrity chefs. Whoa. It just, like, recently. And I I didn't, like, go through and fact check this. This is just, like, one of those, like, quick Googles, like, who is the richest yeah. and all these things. And of the top 20, three of them are women. Wow. Um, one of them's the woman we just mentioned, and um, Rachel Ray's on that list, valued at eighty million dollars. Like she had, she, her net worth is eighty million dollars, which is pretty amazing. That's crazy. Um, the Barefoot Contessa, she was, I think, at thirty million. Sorry, fifty million. And then, wow. Um, the other gal, Gadia, she was valued at thirty million. And I found this. Um, interview hmm. with Conan O'Brien and her and it made me so angry Ooh. because within moments of her showing up on the show and it's like oh hey thanks for being here like it's a it's a late night talk show right and she's like dressed nice she looked she looked really good I mean she's a beautiful woman like absolutely every guy I've ever worked with is like oh dude oh <laughs> so like, <gross>. okay <laughs> Um, but within moments, the first thing he says is just like, he comments on how beautiful she is. And then she's like, oh, thanks. I picked this dress for you. Like, ha ha. The second thing he mentions is, um, asking her to justify her lack of accent. And if she was really an Italian American woman Whoa. and like where that comes from. And then the third thing he asks her is about her marital status. And, um, if her husband was Italian, it makes me think too, like, okay, there's a lot of problems there. But it's just casual conversation. It's casual conversation, but I'm like, okay, so that's like a male's perspective of how to interview a female. What do I ask this woman? Well, marriage? Well, you say you're Italian, but I don't hear the Italian from you. It's weird. It's weird, and I couldn't believe it was real. No. I couldn't believe it was real. But anyway, I haven't actually watched her show. Um, It's fairly soothing. We didn't have cable, so I didn't watch the Food Network as much as you did. But what's really interesting to me is that all three of the women on this list of the top... 20 richest celebrity chefs all three of them have shows on the food network and all three of those shows are geared towards women at home Mm -hmm. and all the language that describes their food is about their connection between heart and home and maintaining a good household and maintaining a good um family environment and keeping the family together through the food that you create and this is not to discount no what these women have created i mean they're worth millions of dollars there's reasons why they're they've done a lot to educate yeah home cooks but that's not what you do no well and, and you were talking to me earlier and it's like when i'm a kid kind of dreaming of like all the things i could be growing up those were the images I had of, like, that's what a chef does. And so, to my surprise, <laughs> that's not true. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's just it's it's weird. And it was always weird to me watching it. And I, I think I was so pushing back when I first graduated school with all these like female culinary influence people like them because a lot of people would push those on me. Alice Waters is one who is a fucking badass and she is an actual chef. But I was so anti-women in a weird way because I was like, just because I'm a girl doesn't mean I need to only Don't have give female. me the girl things. Yeah, like, I just want to do the art. Yes. And it doesn't mean that I have to have like – a female chef that I look up to like I can also look up to a male chef and it felt very much to me like why does it have to be such a gendered thing because you're a chef and that's what you are it's not like who you are necessarily even though that's debatable in my life right now but um (laughs) it's just it's just like a false representation and it bothers me because it's like here's great tips for feeding your kids or making your husband happy and it's always involving bacon it's just these stereotypical things that I can't relate to in my life right now and well and it also doesn't serve your friendships when you explain to a friend I'm a chef no like I've taken a lot of time to kind of understand what you do yeah but like not really and I also don't have good examples of what it is you actually do do well and then if you go to the other examples like like gordon rams you bring up then you're like oh you're just angry and mean and yelling all the time and abusing your staff or having this level of perfection that's unattainable for anybody and that's definitely environments are, that's true out there but that's not what if i called your sous chef you'd be like oh yeah she yells at me all the time <laughs> and i'm terrified no that was actually um a couple of front of house crew that i had since i've been a chef at this restaurant that's one thing that comes up a lot is like it's really nice to work for a chef that doesn't yell isn't that strange like even coming around this next round of reopening after the pandemic has kind of slightly mellowed out whatever um back to work we would interview people and my front house manager that was one thing he would say to some people was like also it's nice because like she's a chef but she doesn't yell and that's like rare she's so nice she's so nice she's so sweet and i'm like i mean i definitely put the fear of god in people but you don't have to yell to do that (laughs) at all so and there's a time and a place for yelling for putting the fear of god in people it's interesting that you bring up that term god because there was um this very notable times magazine article about the oh i think i know what you're talking about yeah like the culinary gods of america or like of the world Mm -hmm. and um yeah i got a lot of press and it was interesting and it's not to again it's not to dismiss the men that are featured in it who are artists they're doing really cool thing with their food but there's a lot of sacrifice and dedication that goes into what they all have done but they're not the only ones they're not the only ones and i mean to the article's credit it was the gods of food but it did include a whole four women on the list but the article also got a ton of pushback from women who were either chefs or who just worked on the line that were like excuse me like we're here too dude what the hell and why do you have to make it gendered why Why is it the gods why is it not the powerhouses the i don't know it's it's crazy to me because i was reading at one point over one hundred and fifty thousand 
Americans are employed as chefs. And does that mean chefs isn't they're leading the kitchen? Maybe not. Maybe they're just, like you said, a line cook or sometimes, you know, on those documents when you fill out, like, what your occupation is, even when like I was taxes? Sure. Sure. That works. <laughs> and you, like, like, before I was a, quote, chef, but I was a line cook, there is no category in there for that other than chef. And so you just have to put it. I'm like, this feels really weird because it's, like, not what I am. So anyways, however they're getting their data, don't can need you, to get into it. Can you take a moment and explain what the term chef means to you? Because mm-hmm. we kind of glazed over it with, like, well, I don't think of this person as a chef when we're talking about celebrity chefs. Right. Um, to me, it's somebody that has been either professionally trained in a culinary school or some form of institute, or I that's not an end-all be-all, also somebody who's just had years of experience in the industry and that's like their educational aspect um so you can go to school but you can also figure it out working under people more like apprenticeship style one thing that when I was in culinary school that they talked about was like the only thing your culinary degree should like you don't have to start in the restaurant industry as a dishwasher that's the only thing it'll like kind of push you above that but you still have to work your way up and like climb the the ladder um Another way I would describe a chef is like obviously a leader, somebody who is what's the difference between a kitchen manager and a chef? Well, you still are leading the kitchen as a kitchen manager, making sure that like the budgets are being met, the staff are showing up on time, schedules are made, payrolls done, you know, things like that. But a chef is a lot more of like the creative side as well as all of that. So like planning menus, deciding specials, you know, research and development is massive. That's a big part of my job. Um, and, like, putting together this whole, whole, like, orchestra of flavors that work together, the concepts make sense together, teaching people those skill sets to actually produce that. Um, does that make sense? It does. It yeah. sounds like a lot of invisible work that I don't think of when I think of a, a chef. Thankless job, as they say. When I think of a chef, I think of um, somebody in a, a funny but prestigious hat mm-hmm. and a nice coat. Yeah. Is there something to the hats? Like, is there a symbology there? Like, why? Um, yeah. Because they kind of remind me of witch hats. I'm not going to lie. No, they definitely do. So I had read years ago. So again, this is like, you can fact check me. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. But years ago, classic chef hat that you're talking about is called a toque. And that's been around for fucking ever like renaissance times there's also the floppy ones you know what i'm talking about that looks like it just kind of hangs off your head oh yeah like a bubble the, like a little mushroomy yeah ones. um so those are more typically i believe for bakers um and they're just like not super cute so like we don't wear those anymore but the toques i think are super cool <laughs> personally i would love to work in a restaurant and wear one um culinary school that was the big thing you got to do in your final year is you got to wear that to school every day um but I had read a long time ago that essentially it was like there was a war happening or something was going on maybe it was like a time where there was a lot of just wars and like your town would get like sieged is that the right word and they these royal families the dukes and the duchesses and these like fancy people had their chefs and obviously they're like bougie as fuck so they want to like protect their chefs because they're giving them all this amazing food what they did is they gave the chefs this uniform that resembled the like catholic priests 
and like popes with these no. big hats and so that way when the like b- <laughs> the bad guys <laughs> would come into the villages they would not kill the chef because they thought it was like a royal per or a um, religious person and so they'd be like oh that's like you know not kosher we're not going to do that so these chefs would like literally pretend to be these like priests or like religious folk and they would just get like dismissed isn't that funny that's what i've read in the past i'm and blown away right now i've heard that like the taller it is the more skill sets and like experience you have each fold there's like little like folds in the in the toque the different folds that go up are like your flag like i'm an american so i would have an american flag and then if i since i'm french trained i'd have a french flag as well oh wow yeah it's very militaristic Wow. Yeah. You do knock them around, though, so you have to be careful. There's a lot of low-hanging things in kitchens, and you'll and when you're tall like I am, it hits a lot of things. <laughs> Let me tell you that. So there is an unglamorous side of the toque, but I think they're fucking awesome and hilarious, and who doesn't want to wear a big funny hat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, that was – I had no idea. Okay. Well, what's really interesting to me about listening to you and that is just the notoriety of how we, at this time that you're talking about, which was like pretty vague, but I think it's totally still worth talking about. Um, Long, long, long time ago. um, It's very interesting to think about the notoriety of the chefs and the skills and the way that that is advertised. And at this time that you're talking about, it was our funny hat i had no idea there was so much to the chef hat it is it's like i think the entire chef get up like the white chef coat the hat the the goofy pants which i hate um i've never paid attention to their pants i always assume that that they that they don't wear pants well some chefs don't go on craigslist (laughs) (laughs) but it's very it's very military set like the classic kitchen brigade if you want to look into it it's really interesting with the different levels and like the names and responsibilities it's very military and i believe i've read before in culinary school that the the culinary brigade that i'm talking about was literally copied from a military brigade so it's and it's well it's extremely efficient it's very efficient and it's all about hierarchy and skill level and how you're valuable and unvaluable and et cetera, et cetera. These two threads that you put together in my brain is this very interesting through line between like, okay, if it really is military valued, there's this whole like where women are placed mm-hmm. and valued in the military and then also how they find their place in this military-esque kitchen mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. I would totally that's yeah it's fucking annoying um but currently employed chefs it's like 150,000 people in the U.S. um but only 25 percent of women are like chefs working in industry and then only 25 percent of that number you just shared as women yeah and then only six percent are actually like quote head chefs which a head chef and an executive chef those are like like what I do like I'm technically an executive chef and women that lead kitchens and it just said like head chef slash leading restaurants so I'm assuming that could be general managing that could be you know just leading the entire ship of the restaurant are only six percent are women 
not the 25%. So the 25% are the women who are in making the industry, things work, doing um, the thing, doing the work. And then only 6% are like leading women in the industry as like chefs with a hierarchy roles. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you're in that 6%? That's me. <laughs> That's me right Always there. You were special, born with that red hair I and know. blue eyes. You got to be rare. I was going to say, I'm already a unicorn. So might as well just keep keep it on it's, it's on brand right <laughs> oh god but yeah i know it's uh it's weird six percent it's very small that is really really small and that i mean i knew it was small but that that is actually really shocking to me and mm -hmm. i know you and we've talked about this yeah. before and it just makes me think of just the importance of representation and mm -hmm. also the burden of that representation oh, on you yeah. like it's weird you're a rarity and people look up to you like i just i still can't think of a single woman in that like celebrity chef like running a kitchen running a restaurant name like none of those are household names at least in no. my household and no. i also don't own a tv so like i own that but that's crazy. So you're yeah. just like, there's you're running few. into it. You're just flying by the seat of your panties. Yeah, there's no resources. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I also do because I went to school for it. So it's all good. But it's, it's weird. It's, um. But when your only role models are like Martha Stewart, Rachel Ray. Yeah. The Barefoot Contessa. Didn't you say she won a James Beard Award? Oh my God. Yeah, she did. I found this out and through us talking. I, yeah. She won a James Beard Award for Outstanding Personality. What does that fucking mean? I don't know. And I, like, vaguely tried to figure it out, and I kind of couldn't, and I just got annoyed, and I literally just closed my computer because like, <laughs> I don't even care. You but didn't look up the qualifications for an Outstanding Personality? I should I look it up? I feel like I should. Okay, let's look but it up. Because she, she won multiple times, um, I think two years in a row, and I think maybe three times overall. I could be totally wrong. Um, but what makes for an outstanding personality? I don't know. Is it politeness? Is it... Let's find out. So I can't find anything outwardly, like, exact Like, here's criteria. the rubric for an outstanding yeah. personality. Um, it's very vague. Um, the little that I came across with the Barefoot Contessa, Ina is her name. Ina? 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 Um, this little clip from this article is... Before and after her name was announced, the crowd looked back on familiar scenes from her show, blah, 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 with her mouth-watering recipes, blah, 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 blah. And then Ina delivered relaxed and welcoming energy that only she could provide. So she's just a really sweet lady that makes you feel good and cozy, like your grandma. Yeah. Or I, your mom. I... I appreciate that, and I, I'm not going to diss on her at totally. all. Totally. Like, I think badass. she provides a welcome service to this world, and we need more love and, I guess, that grandmotherly energy that you're talking about, or motherly energy. However, well, I have why aren't complicated... Why getting, like, fucking honors for that, or our mothers? Like, well, yeah, you have to, round like, of applause for be them. a celebrity before you're even considered for this shit. But also you have to have a certain air of politeness and this is one like mm -hmm. i know when we were deciding the framework for the concept of the show it was really important to us that we were okay with swearing and that was a very intentional um choice because of our expectations of women's politeness especially regarded to the kitchen and our place in the kitchen and so our 
daily lack of politeness in this space like there are definitely places of my work that I am more I guess reserved polite I have more of that welcoming outstanding personality but at the same time though like where my mind's going is when I was looking up who like some other people that had won this award and somebody that was nominated but didn't win was David Chang um, another person is Roy Choi, who's just like super LA street. He has like a food truck. He's like s- just graffiti, like ripped, like super punky. He's a nice guy, but he's not like super sweet like this barefoot Contessa woman is. So it's like, it's just funny to look at how he, like Roy Choi won this and then also her. Oh, interesting. And Roy Choi is like an actual chef who's like on the ground doing shit. Like really good shit for the world too. Wow. You should look him up. But um, it's just funny because he's, like, super edgy. And then she's, like, so all-American, prim and proper grandma. Yeah, it is interesting. Just, again, male, female, like, how they're represented in TV. is Totally, and what we celebrate in terms of different gender dynamics. If this is somebody who has more of the... I don't know, listening to you, the terms, like, aggressive comes to mind. He swears a lot, like... He's very just true to who he is, his L.A. like roots. Like, he's a cool guy. And, well, language is also a very powerful thing. Language in terms of how we describe the way female chefs or women cook versus male chefs. Mm-hmm. Um, you only have to watch the Food Network a little bit to get that, like, oh, there's a very stark difference between how women's food is talked about versus men's food is talked about. Oh, yeah, just in, like, um, journalism. It's vastly different, like, the word choices. One of them that I shared with you that I think is just really funny is if you look up female chef reviews or, like, articles that are written about them and then you compare it to, like, male chefs in, like, in the same same way, mm-hmm. the word choices are just so feminine. Like, she dressed up the salad. Like she found the perfect shoes for the salad? Exactly. You're just like, what does that even mean? And then another one that I think is funny is um, taking – this was a quote that I pulled from a from a random article that I had read about a woman that was getting featured. Taking a familiar dish with subtle tweaks and tiny inventions. It's just so dainty and, like, delicate and, like, like she barely did anything. But, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, it was just so easy. She just, just made a, a couple tweaks. Just a small It wasn't invention. like she revolutionized no. the way this dish is perceived. Well, and that's like a whole other rabbit hole that we don't need to go down, but is like the gastronomy cooking and like molecular. Like it's not, there's like no women in that field. And that's the big innovators. That's changing food of how we know it and really being the inventors of the new cuisine, which also has a lot of controversy in the culinary world anyways but women are not in that it's way more scientific way more i don't know funky whatever Hmm. it's it's weird yeah we don't really get credit where it's deserved and i think it's i think a lot of it is because it's expected like women should just know how to cook and should just be able to like whip something up and like not like it's not as impressive um but for a man to like present something beautiful Mm -hmm. on a plate that's like not just gorgeous visually but like tastes good and surprises you that's just held at such a high regard like because some of the shock value is that they're male yeah and just like 
Who would have ever thought that he had the capability? Well, everyone fucking does. It's not gendered work. It's just understanding a skill set. And it doesn't matter who you are, how you were raised. It's it, You can learn it. Anybody can. Yeah, it's a skill. Yeah. It's a skill. It is tied to our history. And I, I think in my observations of how women's food is talked about, it is usually linked to like, oh, this is how my mom cooked. This is like how my grandmother cooked. Mm-hmm. This has roots to my culture. This has roots to, you know, I'm, I, my heart is in the home and I keep the family together in this way. And I want to bring my family to your table. And I don't hear that as much with men No, and how their food is talked about. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist or that there aren't male chefs say, that think... approach food in that way with the importance of prioritizing story well it's one of those things where like you can be this gordon ramsay for like a description because everyone knows gordon ramsay as a male chef you can be that but then turn around and be like my grandmother used to make this peach cobbler and i took it and like reinvent people go oh that's so sweet he's like sensitive and he like cares about his family no he doesn't he just (laughs) said that for the article like or maybe it's true but also it's not that much different than anybody else because our moms our grandmas in that past traditionally are the ones cooking the food so like no shit of course they did but like women are just expected to already know that and not be like Oh, that's so sweet. You really like paid attention to your grandma when she cooked for you. Well, and, like, and showed one her love. is just a direct like honoring of the grandmother and the other is more individualized of like this is about me and my success. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a difference between the way men are notarized for their skills versus women. I think there's a certain amount of like I'm thinking about like cream separating, but um that's a bad <laughs> analogy. Um I they're like just it. like <laughs> they they boast about their skills and they get more attention and more press and more shows and women have a whole other second shift a yeah. whole other aspect to their lives like you don't get to fully it, equality is both a man and a woman having the opportunity to be chefs yeah equity is understanding that when you are a woman and you walk into that kitchen you also come with the pressures of your gender to mm-hmm. be a caretaker, yep. to take care of people around you outside of your job, whereas yeah. men can kind of turn it on for their job and then turn it off. Again, not like universally, just like broadly speaking. Well, I mean, it, it's like women aren't looked at as these protagonists that are like tackling this new like wave of food and and doing these new inspiring challenges that make all of us like go what the fuck I would have never thought of that like men can do that but women can't because women are looked at as just doing their like stewardly duties and just being the moms and being the wives and even if you don't have children or a husband like you're still expected to be a caretaker for men around you and people around you and so it's like they're just following tradition and just yeah. doing the best they can as they do that. Like, it's not looked at as, like, an actual skill set for us. And, which is funny because even in some of my experiences in places I've worked, that I've walked in, like, you would almost, like, after I say that, I feel like people could be like, oh, well, then they must push all this opportunity on you to, like, oh, well, you already know how to do this, so I'm going to have you do this special this week, or I'm just going to let you do it. But that's totally not what it is because that also comes with prestige and highlighting your skill set so that you get those 
that praise from your customers or the servers or your boss and women if they do it it's criticized or just dismissed like it's not that big of a deal yeah and it's it's weird it's frustrating because I don't think years of conditioning yeah and the fact that just by being a woman commanding a kitchen it's just you just you just stand out you're not you're not bossy you're just the boss and that's like really hard for people to wrap their brain around well and like when you think about the molecular gastronomy type of work that is so much more scientific that's if a woman were to step up and be like i'm gonna do this well, she's breaking out of the traditional role of being, like, traditional foods that her mom made and her grandma made. She's making something totally out there and off the fucking rocker, and she just can't do that. Like, we can't, as a society, like, comprehend that a woman can do anything different than what's traditionally expected. Mm-hmm. So it's just – But in a lot a of ways – it is a boys club at least listening to you i've definitely <laughs> gathered that and going back to that number of like if only six percent of women are mm-hmm. in the like okay here's the amount of chefs that we have in the you said it was just the united states right yeah and six percent of those are women who are running the show that's insane that's insane that's insane and there's just further gendered conditioning for you to be a mother that like the fact that you are now headed into your 30s like it's cute that you had a little career but aren't you you thinking about babies yeah it's taken me years to actually see this and acknowledge it but i 100 percent like put a mask on when i go into work and like you have to harden yourself and you have to be like wittier and like prove yourself and all these different like like legitimate ways like i know how to fix the dishwasher when it broke even though i have no idea what i'm doing but everybody's looking at me so i gotta figure it out or something happens and we have to problem solve on the fly like again everyone looks at you so there's all these like kind of normal fundamental things yeah like ride the edge of this this knife because you want to be respected and be strong but you can't be too strong because then they're gonna be like afraid of you or turn it up hating you or whatnot it's just I don't know. I'm a, I'm already an angsty person, and working in kitchens really heightened that. And sometimes on the weekends, I've I was talking to one of my employees, and I was like, when I get home, sometimes I'm like, I'm still so like hyper pumped after the my, the end of my week of just like really aggressively talking, like shortening like my language. So I'm just like right to the point, like incredibly direct. And my partner will be like, Are you okay? Like, do you need a deep breath? And I'm like, Just give me a cup of tea god damn it like i just need to chill out um yeah it's weird you just always feel like you're constantly in a rush and that things are falling apart around you all the time and you have to like constantly pick up the pieces but it's also really fun so but it does it makes you it makes you kind of like a weird hyper person being a chef yeah it's weird like i don't feel like i have as much of my soft side that i get to show like which even saying that's kind of gross my soft side yeah, I mean, but it, it's gendered, but, like, that experience I don't think is super gendered where no. you have to have that hard side, but there is some sort of softening going to what you said earlier about your staff talking to you, talking to folks about, like, oh, it's really nice to work here because she doesn't yell. Right. Like, she's mean, but not that mean. Right. I'm scared of her, but I don't I hope they're not scared. I kind of hope they're a little scared of me. Just keeps them bit. coming to work on time <laughs> but yeah exactly no it's just um it's a lot it's a really overwhelming space to be a lot of times um especially when it's like for a woman too if you're 
too nice to a man, then you might be flirting. And then that's a thing because I'm a boss, so I can't, you know what I mean? It's like this, there's these, again, it's riding the edge of the knife of I have to, this ego that I've created, you know, to survive. But, like, my name is on the menu because it's really important to me to, like, it's not an ego thing. It's, like, I want to represent that I am a female well, doing this thing. That you don't have. No, and people don't – there's so many people who don't even know who the chef is at any restaurant you go to or um, establishment. So I think just shedding light on back house is, like, a huge passion of mine because it it does get forgotten a lot and people don't think about the work that happens behind that wall before the plate gets to you and I mean that's a whole other thing anytime I tell anybody where I work I usually never just jump in and I'm the executive chef like that just seems gross to me so I'll just say the restaurant I work in that town and then like oh do you like serving there I get that all the time oh my god yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's, uh... But people, when they walk up to the window, also don't always realize you're the chef? Never. I would say, like, over 50%. They'll they'll point out somebody on the back line, which is slightly behind me. And um, the way it is, is, like, I'm up front, and then my sous chef works kind of next to me, but a little bit, like, behind me. Um, and then it, the line goes down with the rest of the crew. So they'll always pull him out. And he's also, like, a big man, he looks very manly, you know. I do. <laughs> and he's also a redhead too. So <laughs> we do get the assumption that we're siblings a lot. And he's a broad shouldered, muscular, big Viking of a man. He played rugby to give any example. Yeah. So yeah. Most recent one was a gentleman who comes in all the time and he specifically pulled Nick up front, my sous chef, and started praising him and then he corrected him that I was the chef. He looked super shocked and then proceeded to talk to Nick about how I'm so pretty and, like, it must be nice having, like, a boss that's so pretty. And it was, like, really weird and both, like, Nick and I were just, like, highly uncomfortable and just, like, what? And then he just kept, like, basically trying to divert the situation and, like, giving me as much power as I could of just, like oh, I mean, she's the one that hired me. Like, oh, I listen to her. Like, she's the boss. She, like, tells me what to do. And this guy was just so fucking weird. I can't even do it. I hope he never comes in again. Yeah, it was just fucking weird. And he, the last thing he said to me before he left was um, in a very, like, fatherly way. He said, don't let those boys back there boss you around. Excuse me? Because, again... I am the only woman in, in the kitchen most of the time. I have one other female that works with me, but uh, other than that, it is just a bunch of dudes back there. And he was like, don't let those boys boss you around. And I just kind of looked at him and I was like, oh, don't you worry. I boss them around plenty. And then he laughed and he was like, oh, yeah, I got one of you at home. And then he pointed over to his wife that was sitting at the table. And I was like, this is so weird. I don't like it. And I just, ha, 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 ha. Thanks for coming in enjoy the rest of your night <laughs> so oh my gross. god so gross oh my god so it is there's so much to unpack there but i think the part say that was a little bit of a dear diary moment oh, a dear diary moment but it's it's a real story in a real person's life when people are like no this is still happening like mm-hmm. being a woman in the kitchen once you're paid for it, makes you totally stand out 
And then people are like, well, what do you mean? We have all of these women enrolling in culinary school, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, okay, but only 6% of us are actually running kitchens. And you are giving me advice, stranger person who's having a hard time wrapping their brain around the fact that I run this show. I am the boss. And the advice you're given is don't let them boss you around because, you know, you're bossy. You're not the boss. God, I hate that phrase. I also really don't like the whole lady boss thing. What's the difference? What is the difference between being bossy and a boss? I think I I view being bossy as like just being a fucking asshole and a know-it-all and being a big sister or something. (laughs) Sorry. But have you ever called a man bossy? No, never. Because you don't, even if they are bossy, I don't view them that way the way I was, like, conditioned as a woman in this world at all. Um, I think, well, and I think there's also value in, like, being a boss and being a leader. And those are two different things. But um, that's a whole other thing we can go down, but we won't. I just, yeah, you don't. You don't view men as bossy or like, God, they just boss me around all fucking day. Like, that's usually, like, a woman. That's sometimes even maybe, like, things I've said about my mother when I was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) But now I understand why. Because she had a lot that she was managing. Yeah. It's a lot. So I just – it's just such a – it's wild to me how – clear and evident it is even in like our tiny little town in like my tiny little restaurant you know what I mean it like you can't hide from it um I think even with the rise of culinary students that are women and like you said it with the lack of women actually in the industry even today it's just everyone's like oh I wonder why and I'm like I mean, there's massive amounts of harassment. The Like I mentioned earlier, there's no – very rare times you get opportunity to climb a ladder or to be better or to show off your skill sets and show what you can so that you can even feel comfortable applying for the higher positions. And it's just – not even just that, but it is such a boys club in traditional restaurant senses often. So, like, you have to put that mask on. And like I told you, it, it's like – it's a survival mechanism and wearing that mask is so exhausting and you start to lose who you are. Mm-hmm. And when the time comes where you need to, or you have the desire to be a mom, like I have conflicting feelings about being a mom today, but the few times even me and my partner have talked like, well, what if we were to have a baby? Like, I couldn't do what I do. Yeah. Like, my job wouldn't work. And I don't work six days a week um, currently. But, like, I have a cat and I'm gone four four days a week, like, for 15 hours. So I'm, like, not at home for those four days at all. And then I have, like, a more half day, which is, like, an eight-hour day. But even with that schedule – My cat gets mad at me. (laughs) I'm like, what would my child do? And then how, like, does that mean, like, my partner would be, like, a stay-at-home parent? Do I I make enough for that? I don't think so. (laughs) 
Like, it's just crazy. You can't balance it. Yeah. It's a lot. And especially for, like, chef work, you... It's late nights. It's long days. It's, you're exhausted when you come home after your work week. When you need to be on when everyone else yes. is off. Like, exactly. our, in our friendship, if I have a barbecue or a birthday party, like, COVID aside, mm-hmm. I know that if I hold it on a weekend, you can't come. Yeah. I'm non-existent on the weekends. And a lot of times holidays and, like... Yeah, it's just you, it's like the sacrifice you make as the artist that you want to be. But it's, it's unrealistic, I feel like, to be a traditional mom, especially if your kid is in school. Like I, so then the days that my kid's free, I don't get to see them. Mm-hmm. That's weird. I don't want that. I'm, when I think about being a parent, I want to be really hands-on and like, I love to cook, so it'd be so fun to cook for a little child, but also be a hell on earth, but it'd be great. <laughs> I have two minds here. <laughs> when even just listening to you describe it, it sounds like a lot of the skills that you were brought up with, like, oh, here are these mm-hmm. things that you're going to have to manage, like a being conditioned for motherhood. Mm-hmm. It sounds a lot like what you're doing now, but instead of children, you have a staff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, like I said earlier, problem solving, multitasking all the time answering a million questions left and right like you have to have a budget work within that budget have you ever been called mom on the clock oh god yeah and more of this year than ever really which i'm 29 so like i am pivoting into the mother world (laughs) and it's really really weird and i hate it it literally makes you hate approaching your 30s or being called mom. being called a mom because i'm not like Who, who called you mom um pretty much everybody from management to service to back of house excuse me Mm -hmm. like when you're giving feedback like oh thanks mom or like when you're just like hey make sure you take your break or drink some water literally like all of the above when i'm making sure that they are taking a break or eating something hey have you drank water recently it's okay mom um there when i've given feedback that was i think the most recent time it like uh on job performance yeah, it was like some recipe they were working on. I don't remember exactly, but I was like, hey, when you do it, like do it this way because it'll be more efficient and it'll go quicker and your life will be so much better. And however I said it, and yeah, it was an employee had overheard my correction was just like, oh, you sounded like such a mom right there. Like, what the, how the fuck does that, what? Also too, this is like, I work under like a lot of stress. So like, it's important to me that my staff doesn't feel like the stress that they're not paid f- to feel <laughs> personally. So even though there's like chaos happening all around, I try to like be very like grounded and calm when I'm around my people and working with them. So sometimes I probably seem a little erratic because I'm like trying to maintain a, a chill behavior, but everything feels like it's falling apart. Um, that is annoying to me because it sounds in that context belittling. Like your mom has to love you. Yes. Your boss giving you feedback if you don't. Yes. Like I can disobey my mom and that's not like great, but she has to love me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She has to take me back. If I don't follow directions from my boss or I get feedback and I don't meet the standards, I get fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. 
And a part of me is like, that makes me feel like you don't, you don't fear me and you should. I feel like it's this weird unconscious manipulation of like putting what society views as like a mom onto me as like a female boss because like I'm not there to be your caregiver. I'm not there to make sure that like your emotions are stable and like like you are here to do a job for me and I pay you for that and I also like to educate people and make them grow and be a better person when they leave but for the most part don't put that on me because it's not my job yeah I, I when I have the emotional capacity I'm I always try to ask my employees how they're doing every day kind of get to know what their life so that I can be like hey like I heard your landlord was really fucker last week like how's that going like are you okay do you have a place to stay like what's the deal but at the same time you have you can't go too far into that because it does get taken advantage of and I don't always think that's a conscious thing that people are doing I think it's just again this male female brains are weird and how they compute it it's weird um but and like it's it's strange to work in a job where when somebody says that like I can be scary sometimes. That's a good thing. Because I feel like that shouldn't be a good thing. But I'm also really nice, I promise. I'm really nice at work. <laughs> but. Yeah. It can just be frustrating and I don't know. It's just, it's it's frustrating to me because it shouldn't be a thing I have to worry about or think about or have to maneuver. And I do every single day when I walk in. Well, yeah. And as a society, I think we just really grapple with that. Like, well, well your place is that motherhood it's that when we think of a woman in the kitchen we are constantly trying to put it back in that specific framework of the domestic kitchen and the domestic responsibilities and this is a very real pressure on women even if you're in the working force like yourself you might have domestic responsibilities or desires like there's nothing wrong with even wanting those things like desiring a child desiring to have more of that nurturing energy for your home life like that's a very big pressure that i think pushes women out of your job oh god yeah not to mention the harassment which we've just like i was gonna say tapped we've just like tapped the little booty of harassment and Mm -hmm. then backed out that's that's a whole other conversation that is so real in the industry and such a problem um i did get a request to do an episode on hooters oh that would be fun okay i'm into that i'm into that um i like that idea (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no it's it's a thing and and i definitely don't want to like go through the episode and that kind of be lost because i've been like super looking my experience but that's not true for i would say most women and 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 people that identify as women and lgbtq too i'm sure it's not it's not cute when you have to walk into your work and feel like you are going to be harassed at any point. Because, um, yeah, it's a real thing. So, It's a real thing. It's a real weight that a lot of people carry. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. carried it in different jobs. Oh, God, yeah. It's everywhere. And there's more with the Me Too movement happening. There's more and more um, chefs and in industry that are borderline household names that are getting called out for harassing women that have worked for them and it's part of I think 
keeping women out of the industry too is like women have less of a voice to be like to be heard with that and that that was it's a real thing that's happening and these other men who are successful with the squeaky clean reputation can like be those stars that loom above and then it like covers all of the other shit that's behind it Mm -hmm. which is just like super problematic because those people aren't experiencing the same thing and it's just it's a lack of representation of the reality that happens so um it is a real thing but um like you said we just tapped the booty and that'll be a whole different thing we'll probably talk about in a different episode um but you reached out to um some folks on a facebook group i did you can have feelings about facebook groups, <laughs> yes which we do um or i do but um there's one that you're a member of following women in industry and mm-hmm. you asked them to chime in for yeah. this episode yeah um i just pretty much asked like what are some challenges you face as a woman big theme um that jumps out right away is just the lack of opportunity um that women get because literally because they are women um, or their employers are fearful that they're going to get pregnant and, like, have to deal with that as an employer. Um, another theme that was reoccurring often was one that I really relate to, especially looking back into, like, my early time coming into the culinary world is, like, women not really supporting other women. Mm. Um, and kind of if one female in the kitchen is kind of, the butt of the jokes the other women will jump in and like keep like keep that train going and that's really problematic um well but it's a pretty competitive environment so and you have to be one of the boys it is a boys club so you have to somehow like i said morph yourself and it's something that i very much did in my early time and then saw how gross it was and it didn't feel good Mm -hmm. and also it didn't work like you think it works at the end of the day but it takes time like you do the best you can with yes. the information that you have and there is the a lot of kitchen cultures are set up with that survival for mm-hmm. women to tear down other women in yeah. order to survive and also to not get picked on because it's legitimately scary to get picked on it's legitimately like scary so it's it's just shitty and i feel like i've pushed that away so much now that i I'm in especially a position of power. I'm like, absolutely not. That will not be tolerated ever. This one is part of the women not supporting women. And I think when I read this, it kind of like hit me a little bit. I was like, oh my God, I so feel this. This person commented and said, uh, can we just talk about how this industry perpetuates this quote, I'm not like other girls mentality. And women are constantly competing to see who's more of one of the guys, quote. Um, and it's just basically this woman continues to talk and says that we need to just uplift each other, um, not laugh behind each other's backs when we decide to wear eyeliner one day. And that's something that, like, I have overheard other male coworkers in my past talk about of, like, oh, the new girl, you see her show up, like, she got a face full of makeup. Like, who she thinks she's impressing here? Like... But it's also... I Do whatever the I, fuck you want. Well, it's not just that. But for me personally, my makeup is often like my war paint. Uh-huh. So if you if I'm going into mm-hmm. a situation where I'm uncomfortable, oh, yeah. I'm frequently more confident with bright red lipstick. Yep. 
good. Like I get to be a different person that day. Yep. I've referred to it as my hot girl disguise. And it's this weird psychological thing of like, I would, instead of them dislike me, I'd rather them be attracted to me. And like, I felt that I would go in and I had like full cat eyeliner and um, tinted lip balm and like blush and found like who the like it's so just inefficient but that's, but that's part but of our conditioning of where you find your power you know you're walking into a room full of men yeah and your power is in your lashes mm-hmm. and your brows but you're a redhead so <laughs> it's it's a whole thing <laughs> we gotta dye that shit plump that shit um yeah it is but you also can't win like you can be too grubby but then you go to like say hi and play that celebrity role up front because everybody wants to meet the chef Mm -hmm. and it's like oh but like to meet the female chef i feel like that carries a bit of an expectation Mm -hmm. that you're also nice to look at yeah oh yeah i think with women in any role that they are of power like you also have to be attractive and yeah it's it's a weird place like I I do wear makeup in the kitchen not a ton but again it's just like my comfort level I'm a redhead I like I like to have actual eyelashes that people can see (laughs) but (laughs) but and also I just like makeup I can be a girl and girly and also do this job it's totally okay well you're more than one thing exactly I'm a layered human being I'm a fucking onion um but let's see cry I can make you cry I don't know. I hope I've never made you cry. I don't think so. Maybe when I left for Montana, I think he cried. Oh, yeah. That was, but that's different. I cried too. Anyway, hit Um, me with another one. Okay, another one. Let's see here. So this is another, like, opportunity one. She says that she trained this guy to be an assistant GM with her. Um, She worked mornings and he worked nights. She explains that she could not stand this person and that she found out that he lied on his resume about ever being a manager before. And, like, he basically was, like, super, like, couldn't do the job, right? This is kind of a long response, so I'm skimming here a little bit. She says, then, after she explains how unqualified he is, he had no clue what to do, et cetera, et cetera, she said, then guess who got picked for general manager position when it came up? She's like, that guy. Um... She, she said i trained him and he took the job that i wanted like that she was preparing for she said and i quote i said fuck these boys and their penis clubs so i started my own food truck <laughs> she says the best thing i ever did but even then i have middle-aged white men telling me how to run my business every single day did she drop the name of her food truck no she didn't oh um message us on instagram let us know we'll come by right i was like that's super cool um Maybe fuck the penis club is the name of the food truck. You would eat there. Oh, I would totally eat there. Um, Another one. This is a good one. I went in for an interview back in the 80s. She explains that she dressed nice, business casual. This big hairy dude who did a very lame interview, she comments on. um, Interviews her and then says that the job has already been filled. So she, Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Are you wasting my fucking so time? So she says, I asked him, why did you still have me come in for the interview? And she said his response was, because I heard that you had a nice rack and I wanted to check you out myself. Dear God. 
So that was in the 80s, not very long ago. I think ago. This, is, this is an interesting one, too, because these are real people. This is not like, oh, you read it on this thing or see it in this movie, and you're like, ha, that doesn't really happen, or it's exaggerated for mm-hmm. this sitcom. No, like, this is a real thing that yeah. happens to real women. Here's another one that you'll love. Will I love it? Yeah, you will. <laughs> my favorite was when my chef told me that I would, wouldn't go very far because I was a single mom. Um, another lady says that um, when she walked out to a table to talk to a table that had a complaint or something that she was greeted with I actually we asked to talk to the chef and then she said I replied yep that's me oh my god um let's see dun 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 um this was a good one and i've uh had this one kind of falls a little bit in line with the server thing assuming that you're a server um this girl goes i told the doctor that i worked in a restaurant and his immediate response was oh you're a server and she said no i'm actually a cook and he said oh really you don't look like one and then she comments why because i'm just small young and a female what does a cook look what does that mean um this person said just in general how are we not allowed to get angry in the kitchen men have built their whole careers on their shitty raging testosterone personalities women get angry or irritated and we're viewed as scary or we're told that we have a bad attitude but the absolute absolute hardest thing for me is seeing the internalized misogyny against other women seeing my manager be disgusted and annoyed with someone who called out because they couldn't get childcare for that day this woman the manager also has three kids of herself um and just had zero empathy for that other employee. Um, that one was like, holy shit, that's that's real right there. Um, another one is the fact that crying under stress or getting angry is unprofessional for women. Last month, she, she explains that she was mourning the death of her aunt. Um, and she made a few mistakes. But was told that David, our office man his dad had passed away and he's still at work and so there's no excuses for mistakes then she her second bracket of comment was um i would say trigger warning for this it talks about sexual assault um she says that she was sexually assaulted in the fridge the giant walk-in room so it's a big space Mm -hmm. at her very first kitchen job when she was 16 years old the guy got fired and then he got rehired only six weeks later because he's quote he's just so good that they need him so then she says she quit after that fuck that Um, she shared another experience and also she was 16 like where's her power in that there was so much extra work for her like it would be hard for me and the journey i've taken to step into my power to be like excuse me that's not okay and i'm gonna go to management but at 16 years old your first kitchen job and you Mm -hmm. are confronted oh my god that makes me so So angry. angry Well, and for anybody who's listening who hasn't, like, been in a walk-in, they come in all different sizes. But traditionally, it's, like, a tight closet. So, like, when I go into the walk-in that I work in and I have an employee come in, like, after me, we cannot physically go around each other. I have – they have to back out and then I, like, come out with them. Like, it's – does that make sense? It's, like, very tight. 
So you can easily get completely trapped in there and you can't hear shit because you're in like well it's a multiple big layer of walls. Refrigerator. Yeah. It's a big insulated so you can't hear shit like that's where me and my sous chef have our work meetings because we can it's freezing say in whatever we want and no one hears us <laughs> um but uh so then she proceeds to talk about how her male boss was out drinking um one afternoon and she was there that's a common thing in the restaurant industry maybe not in the afternoon but um the crew going out and having drinks after work um and, and it's she, the afternoon we're having mimosas we right are now. that's true um so industry of us so <laughs> seemed apropos <laughs> so she explains that her boss is out with her drinking one night one afternoon one night whatever um and he is about 50 plus years old and he tried to kiss her and she was like no don't fucking do that and then he got super pissed at her for the next few weeks she said that he was just super mean to her at work didn't give her like opportunity like brushed her aside which is not cool and then she said she reported him um and made sure that she never would find herself alone with him and like ask that of the management um so brave i'm really 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 proud of this person yeah right um yeah just freaking crazy like because that ability to shed it and be like you need to own your shit like this is these are traumatic experiences that this person is describing and so even being able to go through the means available to you to stand up for yourself I don't think people realize how we women we try to do that and it still keeps happening it still keeps happening and there's still men in power that just get away with shit all the time and the best that we can hope for is to not get hurt or to get promoted anyway yeah there's so many more there was like i said over 50 comments and some of them were really short like the little short fiery ones and some of them were very long and detailed and you're just like holy shit no wonder that these women are going into culinary school like feeling like they want to do this cool thing and like make a living doing something that they're passionate about that's literally why i'm doing what i'm doing but well, then culinary art art because and i i i think both psycho psychologically and realistically it's just it's so back of house it's unseen it's like the customers most likely they don't want to see what goes on behind there it's part of the performance it's part of their experience of sitting down and dining in a restaurant you only see the front of house aspect and that is very and much for a those stage. listening that don't know that means that's your servers mm-hmm. your greeters your, your bartenders hosts, your bartenders all the people that you see mm-hmm. carrying plates to you taking plates away mm-hmm. catering to your emotional needs though that's all in the front of and the house it's a stage orchestra there's scripts there's ways of handling different issues without saying the word no to people um is it your place oh my god sorry bringing it back no i uh i wouldn't say like no but i also i don't know i wouldn't say yes i think um i do love what i do you as my friend know the complicated feelings i feel about that Mm -hmm. because of the sacrifice that it takes and sometimes i have those days or weeks where i'm like what like what am i getting out of the sacrifice you know yeah um i think i mean my bills are paid that's nice (laughs) i am doing something that i love but it, it does feel a little bit like you're drinking like this like 
devil's poison because it's like, ooh, I get to do this thing I love, but I'm sacrificing my friends, my family, potential family of my own, um, potential travel opportunities, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, It was a big deal when you and I took a weekend together, but it wasn't even a weekend. I think we took like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off together. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it was crazy. And yeah, that was, and then we came back to the pandemic. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Remember that? I do. And we were like, oh, shit. Oh, this this is (laughs) Within a week, the world just fell apart. Um, But yeah, it's just, like, I have a lot of family outside of the state that I live in, and and sometimes I don't know if I'm going to be able to go visit them for Christmas. Like, or when I do, it's, it, I have to pull so many strings to get there. And I have to plan it really accordingly. And also when I leave my space, have them all set so that everything can run smoothly. Um, and not to mention the culture that it breeds of just feeling guilty anytime you leave. Like, you're never doing enough. You're never doing good enough. You have to, like, there's a chef that I've heard about um, locally and one thing that he says a lot um, I've never worked under him but if your home life isn't falling apart then you're not working hard enough and this is a guy who's like got kids and a wife or at least you should do but I just was like it's funny because I hear that when I first heard I laughed I was like that's so fucking true but then I'm also like but I hate that that's why does it have to be like that yeah why don't we have health care why don't we all have like work-life balance in this industry because there's not enough people that want to do it and well and people aren't willing to pay for it and people like, aren't willing it's to pay for it conversation and and how does it remain sustainable mm-hmm. and there is so much privilege in being able to make it work as a chef mm-hmm. and like how far are you going like is making it being a celebrity well, that's a thing i don't know are you know. gonna get a show on food network because I, mean, I know I you would not turn that down i was gonna say i would say yes in a heartbeat like fuck yeah Take except yours LA. would be very spooky there would be like a crow oh yeah oh my god on your show I there would it. be a crow who was just like your companion and he would like bring you weird ingredients oh my god, so and he you would flap around i'll be like get out of here you crazy crazy crow <laughs> i love it um anyway be very practical magic kitchen it'd be it'd be amazing your recipe but, book would be this massive book of shadows well you know in kitchens back house there's usually a binder full of recipes yeah and almost most places you go it says kitchen bible on it and when i started this restaurant mine says the book of shadows and everybody <laughs> they love it <laughs> but i'm like this isn't a fucking bible this is a book of potions um but yeah I don't know I don't know what my place is I have dreams and goals and sometimes it feels really unattainable but yet I think that's also like society putting that on us especially women because we well, second guess everything and it, there's a social cost and a financial cost for you to get the next to the next step of your oh, career yeah. because like I the times that I've had like really tough work weeks this year and I'm like I just gotta quit I need to move on I need to do something different I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take a pay cut, probably work maybe just as much, less stressful work because I just have to show up and cook and walk away, but work under somebody else, which is totally fine, but I want to jive with them and I'm, I don't get to be as particular with my kitchen culture. Like what kitchen am I going to be walking into now? Yeah. Um, and, and what kitchen is set up for other women like exactly. there's a sense of responsibility in that, yeah, you don't have many women that work under you. But you know that you can at least provide that for one or two people. Yeah. 
And that's really significant. I don't know. Until then, I'm just surviving. Doing the best you can. It's pretty damn good, if you ask me. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. But, yeah, it's weird. So, still searching, still figuring it out. Still figuring out the place in the world. Meanwhile, yeah, navigating the patriarchal kitchen that we live in, both at home and in the professional world. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Your time is a gift that we appreciate immensely. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please follow, share, and rate this podcast. It makes a difference and it helps us reach more folks that want to digest their relationship to food. You can connect with me, Rose, on Instagram at Culinary Herbalism. And me, Kamea, at Tasty Salty Real. If you found value in this conversation, send us a DM. We would love to hear from you. Next up is a spooky Halloween special. Ooh. What is a kitchen witch and why are we suddenly seeing witchcraft everywhere? 